Well, that was our own Adele, Lauren. <laughs> Singing about relational hurts, which is what we're going to talk about today. You know, um, you guys, if you know me, you know how much I love soccer, right? I grew up playing soccer. I coached my son from three till a D1 U18 team, and I still play. I, I just love the game. But, you know, I'm finding the older I get, the easier I get hurt. Uh, like if you recall a couple, of, uh, a number of years ago, um, I was limping up here, right? Uh, I joined this new men's league. And when I got there, I, I realized it's like all college students who play for their respective colleges, and me. <laughs> and they were so kind to let me play with them. And they were so nice to break my leg the first game. <laughs> yeah, teach me to pick on people half my age, right? And, and so we, the, me and this guy go for the ball full speed. Um, his knee goes into the side of my knee. And as I'm laying there, writhing in pain on the ground, my first thought seriously was, why isn't he on the ground? <laughs> Should have been my clue that I got hurt, uh, but I decided I'm going to get up and run it off. Well, you don't run off a fractured leg, I found out. I was hurt. And so I decided, well, I'll just stick with indoor soccer. You know, it's a little bit more like hockey. It's got these plexiglass, you know, walls around that you can get slammed into, much safer. And actually, uh, true story, Jeremy, who is on our grow staff here, was our goalie. And uh, one, one night, he got rammed into that wall uh, head first. And he's sitting there in the dugout. And, and I'm, I'm with him. And he's going, oh, my neck just hurts so much. And he's wiggling it like this. I'm like, stop it. And I took him to the hospital. And, and they ended up saying he had broken his C1. Yeah, like that's the Christopher Reeves, like Superman break, right? And miraculously, he, he, he's great today. He even kept playing soccer, which you may think is stupid. Uh, but we are a little stupid. So, so I was playing indoor. I broke my ribs twice getting slammed into the plexiglass. So you can understand why this one time when I'm running down the field full speed, I'm about to, I'm thinking I'm about to score a goal, and this big guy who's been really physical all night, literally he just mows me down from behind. I didn't see it coming. I'm head over heels, I ended up on my back, he's standing over me like this, and I'm about to react. Because when you're hurt and you have hurts in your past, you react, right? I'm about to react, and he looks at me and goes, you're that pastor dude from Gateway. <laughs> Thank you, Holy Spirit, for an ounce of patience in overreacting. <laughs> Hurts cause reaction. Hurts always cause reaction. Physical hurts cause reaction. Emotional hurts cause reaction. And relational hurts cause reaction too. Now imagine if after breaking my ribs that night, I came home and my wife Kathy gives me a big hug and I scream at her, what are you doing? And she said, what's wrong? Are you hurt? No, you just don't know how to hug. <laughs> and then everybody who tried to pat me on the back, I just burst out in anger at them and blamed them for doing it wrong and hurting me. What would you say about me? Not nice things. Things your mom wouldn't approve of, right? But this is what we have to see, and this is why we're talking about relational landmines. It's those hidden things that most destroy our relationships. 
You know, Ben Sledge, who uh, he's, he's spoken here before, uh, he's at our, our central campus. He was actually a, a Purple Heart, um, you know, in, in uh, Iraq and Afghanistan. And he talked about how one of the most difficult things of combat were IEDs. These hidden landmines all over the roads. And if you, if you heard him speak a number of years ago, he showed us this video clip of he's filming and they're driving along in a Jeep and all of a sudden, literally the asphalt goes 50 feet in the air in front of him as the Jeep swerves. And he said that was the most difficult thing about combat is you had to, you had to pay attention to the signs of an IED, a landmine buried. You had to bring in experts to dig it up and, and you know, disarm it or else things blew up before you knew it. Unhealed wounds are like that in relationships. You don't see it coming. Wounds get triggered, kaboom! Overreaction, blow up, or sudden shutdown and withdrawal. And it can come from wounds of childhood. It can come from unhealed relational hurts. You know, more recent, it can come from unhealed traumatic things. Whatever the source is, that may vary, but the overreaction is pretty consistent. I want you to watch this clip uh, from the rabbit hole. And I want you to see if you don't recognize the same things that have happened in your relationships with a boyfriend or girlfriend or spouse or children or parents of how hurts unhealed cause overreaction. Watch this. Becca, what'd you do here? What? What? What'd you do to my phone? Tally, I thought something had happened. This morning when you used it, what did you do to my phone? Uh, well, nothing. I just, <gasps> I just got the number for the roof guy. Jake. What? You told me to call him. You deleted Danny's video. No, no, I didn't. No, I, I just, you were right there. I just got the number. Yeah, and you kept pressing the screen. Because I couldn't figure out how to use your phone. I checked already. It's gone. We have a hundred videos of him. That's not the we were... point, Becca. Then, then you should have put it on your computer. Right, right. It's my fault. I didn't say that. I said it's gone. I didn't do it on purpose. Are you I... sure? What does that mean? What, you think I deliberately deleted his video? I don't know. Uh, you don't know? It's like you're trying to get rid of him. I'm sorry, but that's how it feels. Every day, it's something new. Really? Yeah. It's like you're trying to get rid of any evidence he was ever here. What, you took the paintings off the fridge? To save them, to save them. They are in a box downstairs. Okay, his clothes. We don't need all that stuff, Howie. We just you're the, don't. The, you're wanting to sell the house. You're sending Tad to your There's mother. There's a going on. Yeah. The dog got underfoot. Right, and he was a reminder. Yes, yes, he is a reminder. And if I hadn't bought the dog, Danny would still be alive. If I hadn't have run back in to get the phone, if I had latched that gate. I left the gate unlatched. Come on, I'm not playing this game again, Howie. I'm not. It's no one's fault, and I'm not... Not even the dogs. Dogs chase squirrels, boys chase dogs. I know that. He loved that dog, and you got rid of it. Just like I'm getting rid of the video, huh? It's not about the video, Becky. It's not about the video. It's not just the video. It's about Taz and the paintings and his clothes and everything. There's no pictures of him around. There's no fingerprints. There's nothing. You have to stop erasing him. You have to stop it. Do you really think that I don't see him every second of every day? The video was an accident, Howie. 
And believe me, I will beat myself up about it forever, I'm sure. Just like everything else I could have prevented. That's but... not what I want, Becca. No, because it feels like it is. It feels like maybe I don't feel badly enough for you. Maybe I'm not feeling enough. What do you want from me? Something's got to change. Because this... I can't do this like this anymore. It's... It's too hard. It's too hard. Intense, but real. I mean, two people hurting in different ways, but those unhealed wounds, they blow up on each other. And this is what happens to us when we ignore and deny the signs and symptoms of a wounded heart. As soon as someone pokes that unhealed wound, we blow up. We rage, we fight, we push away, we attack back, we defend, we accuse, or we shut down and we withdraw to protect ourselves. But what we have to understand, what we must understand, is evil wants to manipulate us. And when we remain wounded, evil can manipulate us. We stay vulnerable to evil's lies, we get manipulated, to hurt people and hurt people, hurt people because their wounds never heal. But the scriptures talk a lot about this. Talks a lot about the heart. And I'm not talking about the muscle that pumps blood through your body. I'm talking about the spiritual center, the core of who you are. That's your heart. That's what the Bible talks about when it talks about the heart. In 1 Samuel 16, It says, people judge by outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. See, the heart is the center of your being. It's what God cares most about. That's why Jesus said this, love the Lord your God with all your heart. Because the heart is where you relate to God. So just think, if your heart is is calloused or unhealed, it affects the way you experience God. Some of you have never considered that, that the struggles you feel you have with God might be an unhealed wound. Above all else, it says in Proverbs 4.23, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. Just think, every, if everything flows from it, what if it's wounded and unhealed? We've got to guard it, but we have to guard it in the right way. That's why it says, Jesus said, the words you speak come from the heart. That's what defiles you. See, when wounds of the heart go unhealed, they, they get infected and they end up spreading and, they, and what comes out of us is defiling to us and to others. It destroys our relationships. And that's why the condition of our heart can actually affect how we are able to hear and respond to God. Jesus said, Matthew 13, 15, for the hearts of these people are hardened. So their eyes cannot see and their ears cannot hear and their hearts cannot understand and they cannot turn to me and let me heal them. And this is what you have to hear. God wants to heal us. But we've got to guard our hearts, not against people who can hurt us, because then we can never love. But we've got to guard our hearts against the lies and the callousness that can set in that then makes us vulnerable to be manipulated by evil to do to others what was done to us that we tried to push people away and protect our hearts from. So the first thing we've got to realize is that just like bones can be broken, 
Just like minds can be broken. I mean, look at a psych ward. Hearts can be broken. And I'm not just talking about romantic heartbreak. That's one form, but heartbreak can come from a father's wounds, from a mother's neglect, from abuse, from abandonment, from sexual abuse, from getting bullied, or from a lot of little relational dings. You know, a number of years ago, I shared with you um, my more recent wounds, how I realized going into my sabbatical um, that there was something wrong, but I didn't, I didn't know what it was. And this is one of the things you got to understand. It's subconscious for so long. You have to pay attention to the signs. I started to see some signs and, and started to ask God about it. And, and I started to realize that over about five or six years, I'd taken a lot of little relational wounds. And, and, and it's kind of like a paper cut. You know, like a paper cut, you don't go to the hospital for a paper cut, right? And these relational wounds were like a bunch of little paper cuts. They, they were like no big deal. But what God started to show me is, but if you have 50 paper cuts that go unhealed and get infected, it becomes a big deal. And he began to show me the signs and symptoms of an unhealed heart. So I want you to strap on the heart monitor this morning. And I want you to just look and say, do I see any of these signs of a wounded heart? Because if you do, they're like a landmine buried waiting to go off on the relationships you love the most. But God wants to heal them. So let's pay attention to him this morning. The signs of a wounded heart. First, loss of joy. You know, I used to experience so much joy with the Lord, and I, and I noticed it seemed harder and harder to just see and enjoy the awe and the wonder and the beauty and the good gifts of life. You know, maybe, maybe you've had a hard time your whole life experiencing joy. It might be a sign that there's an unhealed wound under there that God wants to heal. Or protecting myself. You know, I found I just didn't have much to give. I didn't want to initiate with people. In fact, it was back when we, you know, I was, I was trying to get you to get to know your neighbors at the time, and I was trying to avoid my neighbors at the time, <laughs> and, and I was kind of like, God, why am I like this? And what I realized is I, I had so little emotional reserves, I feared letting anybody else in and they would just suck me dry. Ever feel that way? You find yourself emotionally protecting? Probably an unhealed wound is there. God wants to heal it. Deep emotion. You know, for a while, I, I couldn't spend time alone with the Lord and really open my heart up to him without this deep, deep sadness, like grief coming over me. And here's the thing. When you have deep emotion still attached to an ancient memory or to a recent memory, maybe it's deep anger or deep fear or incredible anxiety. That's the sure sign. There's an unhealed wound that God wants to heal. You know, when you can't go there, God wants to take you there. Defensiveness. You know, I found myself easily uh, hurt or reactive or defensive because I didn't have a full reservoir in my heart to draw from. And you know, if you're defensive, if you find yourself quickly defending and trying to prove yourself, you got to understand, if you're in Christ, you don't need to do that. There's something wrong. You know, if you have opened your heart up to God and received his forgiveness through Christ, do you realize the scriptures say that Jesus is your defense attorney and he has said that the judge of the universe has declared you blameless in his sight? You realize that? That's Ephesians 1. Go read it. 
Go read it. Ephesians 1, you are blameless in the sight of the judge of the universe. Why then do you feel the need to defend yourself? Well, it's a sure sign probably of a bruised ego of the past that hasn't healed yet or easily offended or frustrated. You know, I, I found it didn't take much of a jab to create a lot of pain or anger or frustration. And you know, whenever you see people overreacting, where you see road rage or impatience with kids or with blowing up at spouses, it's almost a sure sign. That, that, that easily offended means that there is an unhealed wound. And agreeing with lies. This is the most dangerous part. The most subtle but the most dangerous part. I realized I started believing lies because the wounds made them feel true. Now, listen to this, because this is so important. This is how evil manipulates people, all of us. Christians included, by the way, sometimes in the worst way, is that evil takes hurt people and pokes and gets them to react to hurt other people. And then when you're hurt into those hurts, it can start to put lies. The evil one seeds lies. And if you believe those lies because the lies feel true, then evil is able to poke at you and manipulate you to react to hurt others and pass it on. Let me just give you a few examples. So a little girl has three father figures come and go out of her life through three divorces. She's been hurt by them. And, and into those wounds, the evil one seeds lies, like, it's your fault. You're flawed. You're unlovable. All men will abandon you. Now, that's a lie. And God wants her to learn the truth. That's what we're trying to teach kids, you know, in our next gen and students. And that's what we're trying to help parents teach your kids, the truth. But if someone doesn't come alongside her, it's going to feel like the truth. Because look, three men did hurt her and abandon her. That's true. What's not true is that every man will. But because it feels true, she may make an agreement or a vow, like I will never let a man hurt me again. Now that's guarding her heart in a negative way that creates a callous. And so what happens is she begins to live out of that lie and that vow, and one boyfriend, one husband after another eventually pokes that unhealed wound the fear of abandonment flies up. She pushes them away before they can hurt her. And before she knows it, she has a little girl who's watched three father figures come and go out of her life. And the cycle continues. Or I see it with, with, with men and their father wound. It could be women too. But how many 50-year-old men do I know who are still trying to get daddy's blessing? Probably because daddy was wounded, never dealt with his wounds. And so... Out of that, he was critical and withholding the blessing. And as a result, there was a wound there and a lie. The evil one seated a lie. You're weak. You're not a real man. Prove yourself. You'll never be good enough. You'll never succeed. Again, lies. God intends us to hear something different. But into those lies and in that wound, it feels true. And so then you watch men react out of it, or women react out of it, and, and, and workaholism and alcoholism, and before you know it, they're killing their marriage, and they're killing their kids, and their kids grow up feeling like they're not good enough to be loved for who they are. They've got to go prove it. And there it goes, hurt by hurt by hurt, passing on. These are real stories. I've heard hundreds of them. 
And it doesn't take a major assault like death or abuse or sexual abuse to create a wounded heart. Depending on the circumstances, it can be an embarrassing moment like stuttering as a kid or being called names or, or, or being betrayed by a close friend or 50 paper cuts. But here's what we've got to understand. God wants to heal our wounds. It's why he sent Jesus. He sent Jesus into the world for this purpose, okay? You, you remember Jesus stood up in the synagogue when he announced that basically he was the one who came in fulfillment of the prophets who were foretelling the coming of Messiah. And he reads from Isaiah 61, and basically he says his mission. He said, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to, look at this, bind up the brokenhearted to proclaim freedom for the captives. You see this? See, Jesus didn't come just to forgive us our sins or just to set us free from captive, captivity to addictions or other things. He wants to get at the root. And the root are those unhealed wounds. That's what the recovery movement understood. That's why part of it is making amends with your relational past because they realize until we do, we just keep fueling the addiction. David says in the Psalms, God heals the brokenhearted. He binds up their wounds. Prophet Jeremiah, heal me, Lord, and I will be healed. Save me, and I will be saved. God wants to heal you and me. And the truth is, none of us escaped unwounded. None of us. The problem is, we have to be willing to let him heal us. See, time doesn't heal. And moving on doesn't heal. And just burying it and denying it doesn't heal. It's like planting a landmine that's going to blow up in the relationships you love the most. So if God wants to heal us, why doesn't he just heal us? Well, because God's law is the law of love. And love requires freedom. In other words, he can't just heal us. We have to be willing. So here are the things that we've got to be willing to do if we want him to heal us. First is, we got to name it. Naming it is like digging up the IED so you can disarm it. If you can't see it, you can't disarm it, right? You know, a Christian counselor said to me, when, what we can name, we can own. What we can own, we can manage. We can bring that to God to heal it. But if we can't name it, it operates subconsciously. So first, you got to name it. What are those wounds? Some are developmental wounds. As we were growing up, we've, we all had them, okay? The, it's not wrong to have them. It's that if they go unhealed, they hurt our future relationships. Some of them may be relational wounds, you know? Friends betrayed us. Uh, people hurt us. They talk bad about us. Whatever it might be, what are those wounds? you got to name them. Trauma wounds like severe loss, grief, sexual or physical abuse, the loss of a baby, abortion, things that may seem completely separate from your current relational world will affect it if it's wound, a wound that goes unhealed. So what do you do? Well, you got to take time to be alone with God. And you got to pray David's prayer. Psalm 139, 23, search me, God, and know my heart. And think about it, we don't even know our own hearts. We don't even understand ourselves fully, but God does, and he cares. Search me, God, and know my heart. 
Test me, know my anxious thoughts, see if there's any offensive way in me, and lead me in the way everlasting. And when God started to show me the signs and symptoms of a wounded heart in in me, I began to pray this prayer. I had done it years before, and it took me two years, years before, and he led me to a healing, and so I did it again. And I I thought, okay, I'm going to just set aside 30 minutes, and I'm just going to write down any, you know, relational wound that comes to mind. Three hours later, <laughs> truth, uh, I, I, was, I was finally done listing them. And then he took me through a process of owning it and releasing it. And we're going to talk more about that next week. But you got to start with naming it. Now, one of the reasons we don't want to name it, we don't want to look at it or face it, is some of you feel like it's a door that if you open, it's like the abyss. It's like a black hole and you're just going to start falling and drop into the abyss. And here's what you got to understand. It may be terrifying to go there alone. You don't go there alone anymore. If you've opened your heart up to, to Christ, to his forgiveness, he lives in you and with you and he will go there with you. Jesus said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but have the light of life. Don't go there alone. Let him lead you there. You start to say, God, you know what I'm terrified of, or you know what that produces in me, the anger. I'm scared of the anger. You go first. (laughs) And let him go through that door first and shine his light on what he sees and the truth of it, and it will take away the darkness. That's what light does. It takes away the darkness, and it won't have a grip on you anymore. First, you got to name it. You know, I remember when a friend of mine told me about uh, something God did for him in this, and he's mysterious. He does it different. He does what each of us need. Uh, This friend, he he was a Harvard-trained lawyer and an atheist when he came to Gateway. And uh, the reason he was an atheist is he grew up with a military dad who would beat him. And, and as he was getting wounded as a little child, the evil one lied to him. There is no God. If there was a God, he would protect you from this. If there is a God, he doesn't love or care about you. There is no God. And so he grew up believing that. But he started to see as he got married that he was becoming just a, a little less hurtful, violent version of his dad. And, and, and they came to Gateway, and over a number of a couple of years, he came to faith in Christ, and he began to grow in that relationship to the point of where he started to pray David's prayer, search me and know my heart. And as he was praying this one day, he said, God, where were you when that was happening? Now, in that particular moment for him, God gave him kind of a vision. He showed him himself as a little child being beaten. But this time he could see what he said was like a bubble around him, like a clear bubble, somehow protecting him. And then he could see Jesus hanging on the cross behind that scene with tears coming down his eyes. And something about that began a healing for him. He realized Jesus wept over that, but he also paid for all of that hurt and evil and what it did to him to restore it, and he had a choice whether to allow God to begin restoring and redeeming it. 
and he started down a path of healing to the point where he really was able to become the father that his father never was. But not only that, God healed his heart in such a way he wanted to go back and reconcile with his father, and he actually became a a, a wounded healer to the man who wounded him. And that's what God is doing through Christ, is he is healing what evil has destroyed and broken. He's redeeming it. But first, we got to name it. Second, we got to own it. We got to own it. In other words, we can't just become victims. We can't just become victims that blame others when we feel hurt. And, and, and we got to own it because many times we're not willing to go there because the other part that's true is out of those hurts, many times we rebelled against God and we did hurtful, sinful things. And maybe you're still stuck in them. And maybe the reason you're scared to go there is you, you know that you have to also deal with this. And, and, and you can't justify it or make excuses because that just keeps you stuck. But again, Jesus died to forgive us of everything, that we'd be blameless in the sight. You don't need to justify. Just take it to him and own it. Name it and own it. Another reason we don't name it and own it is pride. You know, pride tells us, Hey, you know, you're not weak. Don't admit you've been hurt. That's weak. And, and we all, we've all seen tough women and tough men who act tough on the outside, and yet everyone can see the insecurity and the angst and the emotional immaturity bleeding out, right? Except them. That's what pride does. It blinds us to ourselves. That's why 1 Peter 5, 5 says, God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. So humble yourselves under the mighty power of God so that at the right time he will lift you up in honor. But pride can blind us. I remember the first time uh, my pride blinded me to a wound. The first time. It's happened numerous times. Because <laughs> it does. It blinds us. But I was in my 20s and one of my spiritual mentors uh, had gotten married and it was their marriage her first year was a disaster because she had had five dads in and out of her life and he had had sexual uh, struggles and together they just kept blowing up at each other but they got in Christian counseling and they were starting to find freedom and peace and joy and reconciliation and he and my friend was so excited about it he started to go John you really ought to do this too you should do this to which I thought don't don't project your junk on me I can see why you need it I just don't need it Yeah, I now realize that Jesus and all the angels were like, you got to hear this. This is funnier than Jimmy Fallon. He doesn't think he needs help. (laughs) That's hilarious. But here's the sad truth. It took seven more years before the pain got great enough for me to look at it. And many times, it's just what it takes. The pain has to get high enough, right? And I started to realize that I want to be a great father, but... God started to show me, you're not going to be, because you've got some unhealed stuff that you're not even aware of, and you've got to deal with it. But friends, it's so worth it. You know, just the other week, my son and I are having a, a lunch every Friday, and we were having lunch, and he said to me, and he's in college now, he, said, he was thanking me for being so involved in his life. And I had to tell him the truth. I had to say, you know, buddy, this is why you've got to follow God. Because I was not on that path. 
I would have not been a good father had God not intervened and, and healed me. But I've passed on wounds to you. I don't even know what they are. You don't know what they are, but no one gets out unscathed. So stay humble and seek God and let him show you and let him heal you. Don't ever let pride keep you from admitting when there's a hurt there. Instead, name it, own it, and then release and redeem it. And we're going to talk more next week about release, about letting go, and about forgiveness. But what you got to understand is we can shift our paradigm because God is redeeming everything. He's buying it back. What evil tried to take and destroy, God is buying back. And so we can shift our paradigm. It's not bad to be weak. It's not shameful to be weak. God says just the opposite. Here's what he said to Paul. God said to me, my grace is sufficient for you for my power is made perfect in weakness. See, when we are willing to walk into that weakness or that hurt and let God heal it, that creates a spiritual strength that makes us wounded healers of the world around us. And that is when we're strongest. And Gateway, that really is our story. Courageous wounded healers becoming wounded healers becoming wounded healers. And that's how God restores what evil has tried to rob us of. Well, as this song plays, um, I want to first pray for us. But then I want you to do business with God. Now, let me say, you know, allowing God to heal our wounds is not like a a Sunday afternoon deal. (laughs) It's not. It's the beginning. But I want you to just pray, God, search my heart right now and begin to show me. Begin to show me that I might name it and own it and allow you to release me from it and redeem it. And just do business with God and, and then I'll come up and close us. Let's pray. God, thank you so much that you know us better than we know ourselves. You know the hurts. You know the subconscious wounds that, are, that drive things and behaviors and reactions that we don't even understand. And that sometimes, God, we feel out of control. And we don't even know how to control ourselves. And yet you're with us in it. And all we have to do is humble ourselves and say, God, search my heart and show me. And if we're willing, you will. You'll shine a light on it. You'll walk ahead of us and you will lead us to healing. And we can become courageous, wounded healers of others. So God, that's what we pray. Lead us and guide us in Jesus' name.